Hey everyone, welcome to episode number one of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we will be speaking with musicians about mental health openly and honestly, without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals, we are not licensed therapists or counselors, we are just people that have our own personal experiences with mental health and want to shed light on these areas. On this episode, I talk with Nick Rosen, better known as Sloan, and I do want to put out a little bit of a trigger warning uh, for some people on this episode. Uh, Nick and I talked very vividly about some of his depressive episodes that he's had relatively recently, including a near suicide attempt. Um, And, you know, I know even from my own personal experiences previously when I was struggling with mental health that these conversations can, you know, wreak some havoc on you. So please, you know, be safe listening to this. Um, I do think there's a lot of really good information in this episode. Nick and I talked about his depressive episodes that he's been through recently, um, as well as managing expectations and trying to, you know, set realistic expectations of your life and people around you and basically kind of safeguard yourself to some extent where your expectations and your hopes for for things aren't so high that you're being let down all the time causing you know depressive episodes to flare up so um huge shout out to nick for being so open and honest with me and really backing this project you know um when i reached out to him about doing the musicians for mental health podcast he didn't hesitate at all he definitely wanted to do this so um yeah let's dive in to my conversation with nick rosen also known as sloan about depression and managing expectations uh, so to kick things off we'll do kind of the boring ass opener that that we do every time sure. and that's give, give people the the basic introduction you know who you are and a little background on yourself within music and, and maybe a little bit without music. Yeah. So all right, my name's Nick or Sloan, you know, I go by and, you know, actually now, um, although last time wasn't video, but I, you know, I was wearing a mask previously, I guess, just kind of more of like, just like an artistic, whatever. Um, but now, you know, it's been, um, I basically make my living doing music direction in LA and I, I, I do half music direction for a lot of artists and brands. And then I play on records, a lot of strings on records and produce and play on stuff. Um, and fortunate to work with a lot of different types of great people in LA and around the world. Um, and for myself, I just signed to a new record label called Parts and Labor. I'm getting ready to release music this month, but it's cool because that music to me you know, is more exciting because it's more honest. And it's like, it's just really just like stream of consciousness type stuff. It's less about like some shiny song or whatever. I don't even care. I don't even care about anything right now. It's like trends, what I should do. I'm just trying to just do stuff that's real. So that's where I'm at right now, you know? 
And I'm trying to gear my whole life towards that. I think, you know, it's something I bring up to a lot of artists um, or people in general, really. I've, I've had the conversation with even friends and whatnot about how, um, you know, I guess in the digital age that we're in, especially with social media, Instagram, TikTok, all that, like, it's easy to get sucked into these trends, but authenticity is what's going to be real and constant forever. Well, that's the thing is I was talking to my label about it where they're like, you know, the social media talk and I'm not a big social media person. And, and I was like, look, and they're like, well, well, what do you feel about social media? I was like, well, I don't even care about it. But I was like, I don't want to do something because it's trending because then I'm not even going to want to do the trend. Like it's not even if the whole it's, I rather have less people be into me that are into me for the real stuff that I'm doing. And, you know, so I don't like, that's the thing is like, I, I'm not opposed to anyone that enjoys that stuff. You know, if people are finding connection by doing dances on TikToks, that's awesome. I mean, rat, <laughs> so great, not for me. And I, that's not something I even want to try to do. You know, like there's these things that you could do as an artist to like trend well or to get more views or whatever. And I rather just have fewer people be really connected to it, you know, and it just be about that and the art. Um, but so it feels good because the label that I'm on now is really on that, on that level too. <clears throat> I think that's the big thing is, you know, like with, with trends, especially, you know, TikTok specifically, just cause it's changing literally day to day. It seems like with a lot of that stuff, like, sure, you've got 2 million followers on there, but maybe it's just because of one video that you did. They thought you were funny and they're too lazy to go back and unlike or unfollow you. Whereas kind of what you're getting at is I'd rather have 500,000 people that truly care about what I'm doing and are going to show up and constantly be there showing support and love versus kind of that flash in the pan. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have five people, you know I mean? Like right. <laughs> my, my, you know, it's like when you really get down to what you need in life, if your goal, my goal is to be sustainable and make great art, and that's your starting point, then, then you need a lot less than you think. And also your, your needs and wants and game plans can change then, you know? And um, so, yeah, I've just basically been gearing towards just really trying to do that. So like everything I'm doing now is just like super stream of consciousness, like I won't do filters on anything, you know, I just like, I just, just super raw, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad you said a few things in there because, uh, I don't think I told you the, the full, like kind of title for what your, your episode was or what I have intended on us kind of focusing on. Um, obviously we're talking about mental health. We're going to talk about depression and, and the conversation that you kind of started back in December. Uh, but I also put on my notes that I wanted yours to be depression and managing expectations. And mm -hmm. I think you just nailed it right there with, if you can manage the right expectations, you won't set yourself up for failure, which in turn is going to make you depressed because you're constantly missing goals. Yeah. I mean, I was actually, I was talking about this yesterday with my therapist where it's like, you know, a lot of, <clears throat> you know, it's like that whole thing that anxiety lives in the future. So, you know, the more we, and not to say that you shouldn't plan because you obviously should plan, 
but it's like that always worrying so much about the future without being present, you know? So I was thinking a lot about how, you know, I kind of snowball where I make up narratives in my head. You know, if uh, someone doesn't call me back or a girl ghosts me or whatever, you know, and, and what happens is when I drop, come to a really quick conclusion, I'm not allowing whatever that situation is to just grow on its own. And sometimes it, in a week that person comes back or they're dealing with something. So it's like almost like by managing, like just by, by being and just like trusting, you know, things can also grow into what they need to grow into. Cause sometimes if I'm putting my own worry on things, it just stops that growth of that situation. You know, um, it's like, um, self-sabotage, right? Like you yeah. start overthinking it. And now by overthinking it, you kind of force that reality to some degree that, well, they don't like me because of whatever. And then you start focusing on that. And maybe that's not even what it was. Like you were saying, like they've got their own thing or whatever, but in your mind, you've already self-sabotaged this relationship that, okay, every time they don't talk to me, it's because of something I did wrong. It can't be because they have something else going on. Right. I think, yeah, I mean, exactly. So it's like, I think just for me, it's like a lot of like, not li like living in an actual reality, you know, yeah. like what is really real, you know, and there's few things to me that are really real. And so it's like, it's giving things a space to be what they are. I mean, a lot of my life right now, I'm enamored by the idea of what things are without input. So like, what, who is Josh without any input? Like, right. who is he? Like, if no one's telling him anything, who is he? Same with me, same with music. Say, you know, like, you know, like when I've been working with people lately, I've been trying to not put my own thing on it. Like, who can they be without me helping them be or, or pushing on them? Um, and I'm realizing that like, you know, it's that old saying that the more I polish my own mirror, the more clear all my reflections are gonna be. It's just how it works. And everything's gonna be reflected more brightly when I'm polishing my own mirror. So all I really, and this is a simplified process, but all I need to do is polish my own mirror, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, within what you're saying, what people can take away from this as they listen is, you know, I think so often, we let others influence our image of ourselves, but also of those around us. Mm. So like, you know, who, who is Nick? Well, I could have went to five or six different people and asked like, Hey, what do you think of Sloan or Nick or whatever? And gotten five different answers. And that's going to change. It shouldn't because, you know, we should make our own judgments, sure. but that's going to change your perception of that person to some degree. Um, and I think that ties in with the managing expectations of people um, because then if somebody tells you, uh, you know, Josh is the biggest asshole that there is and all this, like now your expectation of me is really low. And I guess for me, that's good because then it, it's easier for me to not, you know, to break that expectation. But at the same time, like if people come to you and they're like, you know, Hey, Nick's the greatest guy on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then you do something, whether it's for your own self-preservation or not, like immediately you're going to interpret those things as a negative mm -hmm. versus the expectation that was set. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, exactly. And I think though, but that's like, 
like the only thing I expect is that I can improve myself. I have no expectations of other people because it's right. like, that's like the whole thing when people are like, I can't believe that bear went crazy and killed a guy. I'm like, he's just a bear. Like, what do you mean? Right. <laughs> what, do you mean? what do you mean you can't believe it? What did you expect? Or like, or like when someone, yeah, but, uh, but I, I, cause I think also it's not a negative thing. It's also just like, kind of being so grounded that like I can give people the opportunity to also have their true genius come out around me, you know, because sometimes just by being and being comfortable and solid, other people can then open up and their real genius can manifest too. You know, it doesn't have to be like they show you their negative side, you know, they can show you their more positive side. Um, Cause like sometimes, you know, if someone's doing something that might really frustrate you, they never return your calls or like, there's one manager right now for this artist, the dude literally never calls me back or emails me. And I'm trying to like do things to get his artist money. Right. <laughs> as soon as I like, like there's an Instagram store, he replies in like 20 seconds and I'm just like, all right, but like, okay, I can be disappointed in that, whatever. But I can also just be like, cool. Like whatever it is, what it is, you know? Yeah. And because I got to think, you know, and that it's like situations where it's like, okay, I could, do I feel like I need to say something because of my own ego, because there's something that there's a outcome that I feel like needs to happen, or is there not actually okay just to leave it? Because, right. you know, these feelings and anxieties that I'm getting aren't really based in reality, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think for anyone that has struggled with, specifically anxiety based on, you know, kind of the way that we're talking right now. Like, I think the problem is we get so inside our heads about it. And even though the, the timetable is really, you know, we just have to have this project done in three months, people with anxiety and not to put words in your mouth, but, you know, I think it's that whole, okay, well, we have three months. What if this, this, and this go wrong? Like I need time to fix these things. So we need to have it done now so that we can just be ready for anything that goes wrong. And that's not necessarily a terrible way to look at things or, or to be prepared. But if you're looking for things to go wrong, oftentimes they do. Right. I was actually just having this conversation with someone because my, my new neighbor who lives next to me, a uh, great, amazing person. Um, he just happens to live by the worst case scenario. What could be the, which, which, on a certain level is good because disaster preparation in life right. is super important. And I mean, maybe the last year just showed that we don't have enough of that, whatever. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like, it's interesting that like more of that stuff comes, you know? And like yeah. that stuff comes like, like I, for instance, I, obviously I was cautious about COVID and all that stuff, but I never felt scared by it. You know, right. I, I was getting tested a lot for work and stuff, but I never, I never, never, it was cool to me. It was ever, it's fine. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. And knock on wood is like, it never happened, you know? And like, it never, and I just kept, I, I, you know, when I would go outside and wear a mask, I'm not advocating any of that, but I'm right. just saying like, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying for my personal choice, it was more about like, okay, I'm going to just, all I can do is trust what I'm doing. Right. Like I can wash my hands, I can do my things. And it's like, well, that way, whenever anyone else does something, it doesn't bug me and I just kind of trust myself, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, and that goes into the whole, like, you know, moms say it all the time. You can only control yourself, right? So I can't control if you're out walking around without a mask. And I'm one of those people, I don't care one way or the other, you know, like your beliefs are your beliefs. If you don't think you need a mask, you don't need one. If you think you do, you do. I'm in the, the aspect of like, especially in its peak, like I wore it when I felt like it was potentially necessary. Sure. But again, I I'm like you, I wasn't scared of it. I don't know if you know my, my story. I actually ended up getting it and having Mm -hmm. a very bad reaction to it. Um, but like, We'll, we'll get into it a little bit here real quick. The short version of the story is uh, I ended up contracting COVID-19 and had to be lifelined to a local hospital from a hospital to another hospital, put on ECMO, and I spent 46 days recovering. Um, 20 of that was in a medically induced coma and sedatives wow. and whatnot. But, uh, but even wow. now, like I told the, the doctors and nurses, like, I'm not scared of it. Like, it's a virus. Things happen. You know what I mean? Like I can control what I can control. I felt like I was doing the right things. It just happens sometimes. That's the thing is it just happens. Man. I mean, first of all, so happy you're okay. Wow. Um, incredible, incredible. I'm working um, on a project for that. That's a whole different thing, but (laughs) cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's like also if you're truly okay with any outcome, you know, like not to sound too like far out or esoteric or whatever, but like the real, the only thing that's really real is that you're going to grow old, you're going to get sick, and you're going to die. Everything else is basically, everything here is kind of impermanent. And I'm not even trying to be on some Zen Buddhist shit. It's, it's truly just like things are not permanent. And you know, like our sense of time is really weird. And like being a human is pretty weird and like trying to communicate is pretty strange. So it's like, if we understand though, that these just like basic building blocks and tenets of our lives are the very few things that really guide it. Then from there for myself, the conclusion that I draw is the only thing that I can do is work on myself, invest in myself so much, so much, that I can say with the utmost confidence when I go out that I trust the way that I'm living personally yeah. and understanding that the causes I'm making are creating effects and be so okay with that, that any out, anything's fine. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it's kind of the, I guess the cynical version of that is if you don't have any expectations, you can never be let down. So, you know, like what you're saying, like, Obviously, you want to have some goals and aspirations and, and expectations out of life, but if they're not set in reality, like you've mentioned so far, like if you're building your future outside of the realm of reality, there's nothing but heartache down that road. Yeah. I mean, even I was just talking about that when I signed with the new label, because he was like, what are your expectations for these songs? I was like, none. I was like, I made them. They're great. Like, that's awesome. And cause you know, it's like, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, like the last songs I did, they did fine. They didn't really stream great. I don't think the last label that was on fully knew what they were doing, whatever. You know what I mean? Like fine. All good. Great. Okay. Like they, yeah. And like, it's like, great. Like there's nothing to be frustrated by, you know, it's like, I would only be frustrated if I was concerned that I couldn't create more art. 
Like right. if those were the last pieces of art that I could ever make and they totally failed, then okay, sure. But like, as long as I can keep on doing things, because reality is as long as I keep on growing and evolving, I'm just going to keep making better art anyway. Right. Because art is almost music, whatever, is obviously second to just living. Right. And, and you know, um, yeah, but that's why I feel really great about this new music is that I have no expectation of it. You know, I'm just, it's, I'm just so happy it exists. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of to play on that some, you know, art, art is subjective, right? But if you're not making it to make yourself happy, then it really doesn't matter. Like all the, the praise from anyone else isn't going to matter if you yourself are not happy with it. Right. I mean, I told someone the other day that I've been doing music like professionally, I don't even whatever, for like 16 years. And this is the first year where I feel like I'm making art for a living. You know, I right. feel like I've always done music for a living, which is great. And there could be, there is for sure an art in doing that. But I, I feel like I'm making art for a living. And it's probably because I'm on this whole like self-care, self-realization, that not self-realization, it sounds like the self-realization fellowship, but like, like understanding myself more journey. And because yeah. of that, I'm naturally gravitating towards wanting to make art and I'm seeing a different kind of bigger picture. You know, it's like when I think of things like, okay, like I totally respect people that write songs for other artists. And that's so awesome that people can do that. So great. And I could yeah. probably hustle more and you can get like a hundred, two hundred thousand dollar publishing deal and you could, you know, and then you do that and you do all right. that. And that that could be really cool. And I maybe I can make a lot of money. Maybe I couldn't. I don't know. But like that doesn't seem enticing to me. It feels like backtrack. It feels like the, everything right. I do now has to be expansive to mirror how I'm living my life, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's the difference between, and not saying that, that some of those people that do that aren't happy, because I'm sure a lot of them, if not most, are. But it, it's kind of the difference between doing it for a paycheck and doing it for the love. Yeah, and, and exactly. Like, I can't, I, it's awesome. Man. I mean, anyone doing anything is great. Like, just existing as a human is hard. So anyone getting themselves through that is awesome. For me personally, though, I'm intrigued. I was, I'm grateful that the last year showed us we could live with a lot less than we thought, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, really grateful for that and i'm grateful to kind of had a, some of the darker experiences i've had in the last six months or so because things are pretty black and white you know it's like you're either going to be dead or alive and you're going to choose to make the most of your time or not that's pretty much it then you could fill yeah. in the pieces as needed yeah absolutely and, and you know i told pretty much go ahead oh no no you froze a little bit so i was there's a little oh, lag sorry you're fine. Uh, I was just going to say, I actually, shortly after I woke up from, you know, my COVID venture, um, I made a comment to one of the nurses kind of like that, that things are black and white. Either I'm going to wake up tomorrow or I'm not. And it's, you know, I'm not super religious, but I'm of the belief that when it's your day in the book, it's your day in the book. So my yeah. whole, like, especially over the last couple of years, 
lives. You know, I, I lost my brother about three years ago to suicide. And mm. since then, really, Fuck. it's been, yeah, it's been a, I want to leave a legacy. I want my story to be one that gets told at the end of my life, you know? So when it's my day in the book, it's my day in the book and that's fine. All I can do, and I think this is kind of where you're going too, is all I can do is create stuff, art, messages, whatever, that others look at for inspiration and guidance through their life or to re- kind of recount my life as a memorial to some degree. Like, obviously, I have no illusions of grandeur with, like, I'm the best thing that's ever walked the earth by any stretch. But my hopes and goals really... Mental health's always been important to me, but after losing my brother, whether I find out that I saved somebody or not, my whole goal for the rest of my life is just to save one person, make one person decide Mm. suicide's not the answer. And again, I I don't even care if they ever tell me that I was the reason, because that's not, I'm not doing it for that savior complex or the admiration. I just know that the message needs to be out there. The art needs to be out there for people to understand that they're not alone. Yeah. I mean, wow, man. Thanks for sharing that. What uh, what was your brother's name? Can I ask? Yeah, it was Dusty. Okay, cool. Um, Just wanted to think about him for a sec. Um, But uh, I think, yeah, man, because, you know, it's interesting too, because, you know, as many resources as there are seeming resources for mental health, it's still pretty fucking hard to get help. You know, when I was really dark, I remember calling the suicide hotline and it was like a two minute wait. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you fucking joking? Like, like, like I have a knife right now though. Like I need to, I need to get rid of this right now. Like, right. Cause, and, and it's, it's hard because, you know, it's like, and then it's also like, you know, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll find a therapist, but it's like, it's fucking expensive. And yeah. I'm like, dang. So you're telling me like, these are the options. And, and I, and you know, I'm not the type of person personally who medicates I, I'm no judgments. If that's works for you, for me, right. it's not the thing. Um, so I'm like, what is this shit? You know, and like, luckily I have really good friends that live close to me, you know? Um, that, that was, and my dog back here, you know, I mean, he's amazing. Um, but cause it's hard. Cause when you break, you know, no one ever, everyone, you know, every time like a celebrity or someone commits suicide or something, people are always like, I don't get how they could do that. Everything's so great, you know, or blah, blah, blah. Or yeah. I can't believe they did it. It's so selfish. They have, they have kids or whatever, you know? the gamut of reactions. Yeah. But, but for me personally, what happens is it's like an out of body experience, basically. Like mm-hmm. I'm watching myself and I'm knowing that it's ridiculous and that this will pass, but I, I just have to, it cannot keep going. Like yeah. the personal imprisonment of myself needs to end and the uh, endless painful existence needs to end no matter what logical conclusion or things would said. I mean, you know, I mean, I, re- I remember fucking running around my house like a madman trying to find razor blades, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I wanted to slip my wrist so bad. And, and I did try a couple times. It's much harder to do that than you think actually. 
right. much, much more difficult, actually much more difficult to do many of those things than I thought. And I mean, like, you know, I tried, so I ran around my house and this was in December and I, I, I was like trying to find razor blades and I couldn't. So I'm like running around my house and I'm like getting pissed off, you know, and I try to call the fucking suicide hotline and they're fucking busy. So I'm just getting pissed at this point, you know, and everything adds into everything at this point. So then I fucking take a belt and I, and I, I try to hang myself on my door, but then my fucking door opens, whatever. It's like I said, it's apparently harder to do this stuff. Right. So then, so the door, so the door opens and then I'm just laying on my fucking floor like what the fuck man like what the actual fuck bro get it together like get this shit together then i went through like 24 hours where my body stopped working i just fucking puked every hour every hour i was just puking and i texted my neighbor and i was like dude you gotta fucking i don't know man like i don't want to go to the emergency room because it's covid but like maybe that's the vibe right now you know um and uh and we're sending all these fucked up, you know, whatever messages and stuff. And and it was like, it was like this like crazy, like binge that lasted for like a few days, you know, Mm -hmm. and eventually came up for air. And I was like, okay, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty insane. You know? Um, Yeah. Let's not, let's not do that again. So then, but then it was like this fucking process and I'm the, to tie it back to what we were talking about is like, it's not easy to get help is the point always, you know, people always say that it is, but it's not really. Cause then it's like, I I got a therapist that month and he ended up being like, not great and kind of made me feel worse, you know? And then I felt worse because I was spending all this money and blah, blah. Then eventually I found this thing called open path. I don't know if they have it where you live. Uh, They have it in California. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure it's basically like a website you can apply to and they connect you with thousands of like amazing therapists and they can't charge more than $60 a session. Um, okay. It's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, so I got that and then I was able to get some guy and just been rocking with him for a bunch of months now. And it's been incredible. Um, but you know, it's like after going through all that, um, I was like, what the fuck, man? Like get, get it together. dude. you got, you cannot, that cannot be an undercurrent of something that can happen again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I greatly appreciate you telling the story, especially in that kind of detail and being open with it. Um, a few things I want to touch on. I didn't want to interrupt the story because I want people to, to fully understand like a, the suicide hotline, as great as it is, you're right. It has hold time sometimes. And in those moments, I need immediate, assistance you know like like you were saying i'm i'm in a vulnerable place right now i may not have five minutes to wait on the line for somebody to answer the phone yeah um and there's another service called crisis text line um yeah that, yeah i've heard of that but i don't I want to text you know exactly right right exactly so it, you know it, it all comes down to that sort of stuff like well how how can i do this the way that i feel like i need it because as great as they are, don't get me wrong, Crisis Text Line is helping thousands of people, oh, you know? for sure. A, a, a million percent. A million percent. Yeah. But, but that may not be, you know, I've said before, like the problem with text messaging, you can't read the, 
the tone of the voice, the body language, stuff like that. So like it almost, at least to me, feels somewhat disingenuous, right? Like it's just a scripted reply, quote unquote, because I can't tell if this person's actually bonding with me to some degree or if it's just kind of the textbook response. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, there's that. Whereas the hotline, at least you can hear the inflection on the voice and stuff when you do get someone. Um, and you can, you can tell if they're, which hopefully all those people are, you know, I assume they get vetted pretty, pretty well, but you know, you want someone that, that is understanding and you can feel that empathy coming through the phone. Um, and, you know, touching on the, the selfish thing after my brother committed suicide, that was actually said by a couple family members, even that, you know, it's so selfish. He's got kids and, you know, he's got a wife and all this. And I'm like, but the, the thing that you don't understand because maybe you've never been there is in that moment, in the position he was in and, you know, same with you and anyone else that's mm-hmm. attempted or completed suicide, like yeah, yeah. in those moments, it's not selfish. It's a selfless act because if I'm not in the equation anymore, these problems don't exist. That's exactly right. It's like, it's like I'm taking myself out because I want to get a restart. Yeah. And it's not like, yeah. And it's not like a logical or that kind of logic based decision. Right. For me personally, it would be like the only way to equate it would be like, um, you've heard about that thing, the hum that goes around to like 1% of the population. Yeah. So it's like that like really loud in your brain just going off and like you just you know like if there was you know you hear about people fucking stabbing their eardrums to get the hum to go away you know it's like in that moment all that I know is that my experience as a human being isn't working right and the only meaningful way that I could live would be to not live anymore. And then people could be sad and appreciate my memory or not, but that at least they could keep that experience because for me, it isn't working. Right. Yeah. And one of the things I, I posted um, after my brother's death was I'm going to mess up the, the verbiage that I used, but it was basically that, you know, he battled depression. He, his mind was sick. So his body murdered his soul. And, you know, it, because I don't think people understand, like, like what you were saying, it's, it's really that out of body experience when that moment hits, even though, you know, looking back logically, or even before that episode, looking forward, logically, those steps aren't necessarily the fix. They're they're not the fix, but in that moment, you're so far out of your own body and mind that even though you know logically it's not right there's no stopping it and it's a it's a freight train just coming down the line yeah i mean and unfortunately it's you know it's kind of a hit or miss thing some people succeed and some people don't it's just you know that's the other thing you know uh that's other thing people just don't really understand that it's like but like we kind of live in a culture though which is super on one level about wellness uh-huh. but on another level is like about hiding what's actually going on. Yeah. You know? And like, um, 
you know, it's like all these things we see. I mean, think about it. We live in a world called where people are influencers. They're influencing how we're seeing things. I mean, that is the yeah. definite, that's literally what they're doing. And once again, nothing negative. A lot of friends do that, but like, it's hard to like actually get down into it, you know? And like, I realized this from my ex-girlfriend, like she was doing a lot of work to heal herself on some levels from some trauma, but because she was, she was doing it in a way though to only work with the narrative she was correct. She was going with. Right. And a lot of times in our culture, we do that. We're like, we do things to, to grow, but only in a, way that works for a narrative that we've already decided you know like we're not okay growing so that's why it's like it can be frustrating and then you just hit a breaking point you know yeah absolutely i i was just gonna make the comment you know like um talking about the kind of the health world we live in now um you know, everybody does say like, I need to eat healthier. I need to do these things and you know, work out more and all that. And it's all about the physical health. But then when somebody brings up mental health, a lot of the time, it's like, eh, we don't really talk about that. You know, it's still so taboo to, to talk about going to the therapist or, you know, getting medication. And I'm, I'm kind of the same as you, like for me personally, I don't like medication, even like for the cold or the flu. I don't, sure. I just, try not to take medication if I don't have to. Um, but that by no means do I believe that nobody should take medication right. for any problem that's going on. Um, but what I wanted to, to touch on for people, you know, I, you've attempted, I've attempted in my past, um, 78% per NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental uh, Health, the, um, 78% of all people that die by suicide are males. And it's, I attribute it wow. to the whole toxic masculinity side of things that mm. you're, you're a guy like bottle up your feelings. You, you don't show emotion, you know, things like that. And it's like, but who cares what our gender is or what our sex is or whatever? Like we're humans. Right. We're allowed to have these feelings. Yeah, no. And I was thinking about that yesterday where, so many little things that I do, like traits that I think or ways that I speak are because I was doing things in a way that I thought I had to put myself out there. Like I'm almost like a caricature of things I didn't even realize. And it's weird. It's like, um, so you build up all these, um, I build up all these traits and it's hard to actually know which ones are the caricatures then. So then you can only exist for so long like that though. And it's like, you know, I, I agree with you. It's like for a guy, it's like, you know, it's just all these expectations of just before we even exist, you know? Yeah. Which are so awful. I was thinking about it a lot. Like um, my old, my neighbor and I, we were talking about wild boars the other night and a, a domesticated pig put in the wild will grow tusks and change its genealogy in like six months because it's basically it's basically like put in this environment where it's being like suppressed and having to change itself because it's domesticated i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing for the pig but my point is though it's like 
you know, I did nightlife for such a long time and I did this. So I have these like certain ways that I talk, which like, so, like right now, some things I say, my grammar is so fucking bad. And I don't, I know that's not correct, but it's because I would always talk a certain way, whether subconsciously I wanted to come off that way. Or I wanted to be cooler. I wanted to come off dumber or I wanted right. to come off more like a druggie, whatever. Like there's all these things and those are in the past, but the, uh, the tails are still coming. So it's like, I can still um, see, you know, these like parts of me that I'm like, why the fuck do I talk like that? That is so crazy to me. Yeah. And you know, I think it's, it's that whole like mirroring thing, right? Like when it comes to psychology, we mirror those around us to feel included, but then like what you're saying with the, the pigs and, and boars, like, I think humans are just as guilty of it that like, is your skin color going to change? No, you know, there's obviously the physical is not going to change, but mentally, if you mirror something or someone long enough, you're going to inherently become that person or that thing because you've taken up those mannerisms. And then when you're not trying to fit in, like what you're saying, you know, you're out of that nightlife scene to some degree, like, but there's still so much of what you've integrated into yourself now that it's like, hold on. That's, I don't want that piece anymore. Like, how do I change that? Yeah. I was thinking it's almost like, like you're this iguana and maybe your, your environment you live in is like the color of my couch, but right. you're looking in this mirror all the time. And like the mirror has all these like neon images coming at you. So you think you need to look neon to blend in. So, but then you end up standing in front of this couch and you just like, nothing works. And it like, you can't like right. do the thing you're supposed to. It's almost like, you know, like even for people that don't like social media or like, don't think you're still looking at it and you're still being, so it's like, you don't realize how many things affect your actions and your body image and your, all these things. And it's like the, it's just crazy how much, you know, uh, builds onto it itself, you know? Yeah. And it's also readily available now. Like when, when we were growing up, I think we're pretty close to the same age. I'm 36. So like, you know, social media wasn't as big of a thing. We, yeah, we had MySpace and like Friendster and stuff like that, but maybe I misremember it, but it just didn't seem as toxic and it wasn't as readily available in the sense that we didn't have smartphones. We weren't on it all the time. So like, a lot of that stuff that influenced our culture or our age group was TV and magazines and stuff like that. So like you could get away from it pretty easily. And now it's like, do you have the willpower to delete the app? Can I get rid of Instagram? Yeah, Can I get rid of TikTok? But so I did that from December to March, I took everything off my phone, but that's also not really a valid way to live at this point. I think, you right. know, like, because that, that's, that's like the old saying, like, do you have to find enlightenment by going to live in a fucking monastery on a mountain? No, that like, no, that's not, that, that doesn't work. That simply doesn't work for people. But that's why it's like, I, I think the main thing is, is like finding a strong sense of self. Because if you can really dive into that, that's kind of like the, you know, the Superman shit that, can protect you from everything else, you know? Right. Um, 
and I'm not even there yet, but I'm closer to being there than I was six months ago, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, I think with that, um, the strong sense of self, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's part of the reason that the mask is going away for you. The literal mask that you wore for performing, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just bored. I, I just don't want to pretend anything anymore in my life. You know, I don't want to pretend like I can do things that I can't, that I'm things that I'm not, whatever. So it's like the music that I'm making right now is also really simple because yeah. it's just, it's fucking simple, man. And it's like, it's just what I'm doing. And it's like, cool. You know, I'm like not trying to do anything I can't do. Not saying I was before, but I, I think that, yeah, the mask thing. I mean, I always looked at the mask, that specific thing is like a real cool art project. Um, yeah. Like a real in, in, interesting experiment. And it, it was fine, but now it's like, you know, the interesting thing to me is just being happy to live as a human. That's, you know, that's, that's cool to me. Yeah. And I, I think the more that we find happiness and, oh, what do I want to, like a sense of, of accomplishment through the little things in life, you know, having gratitude for the little things in life, your, your happiness level, your, to me, your success level, whether it's monetary or not, like your life quality is going to get that much better. The more you accept little wins and little things that are, you know, I've, I've said it before because I've been through it, you know, with depression, especially like there are days that just getting up to take a shower is all I could manage to do. But if I accept that that was still one step forward, then I can be happy with that day that, mm -hmm. you know what, I, I got up and I took a shower tomorrow. I'm going to get up. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to do laundry the day after that. I'm going to get up, take a shower, go yeah. to work. I, I mean, that was me, you know, where, yeah just doing basic shit man you know like yeah man and i was taking so much xanax and shit at night to just fucking numb my whatever man to numb myself i know i said i don't like pills but that's an extreme situation um you know yeah. um and then my old neighbor's brother died of a xanax overdose so i was like okay well not taking that anymore right right um, that, I think that's the thing, though, again, going back a little bit to the in that moment, that seems like the right solution, right? Like, I need to numb my mind, I need to do whatever. And therefore, you know, Xanax is going to make me chilled enough, I guess, that I can live in my own head. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I could be having a great day. Great day. And then I go lay in lay in bed to wind down and my brain's like oh go fuck yourself you remember all these fucking issues you had well here you go yeah. remember when you used to picture your ex-girlfriend fucking other people oh here's an image of that you know yeah. like like everything like hey want it fuck you it, it, yeah. you know and, uh, um so now it's like it's almost like you just i i'm i'm still not there but i'm just like having to train myself to like get out of that you know yeah um, cause sleep specifically for me was very difficult. Um, mm -hmm. I just put on, I watch the same movies a lot now to go to sleep where I know the yep. dialogue and when my brain starts to go somewhere, I just tune back to the dialogue and it grabs me, you know? 
Yeah. Um, I don't know how true it is, but I, I've seen a meme that said something along the lines of uh, people with anxiety or depression um, tend to rewatch the same thing over and over because it gives them a sem- sense of comfort and normalcy. So like for me, I love The Office. I've watched The Office every bit of 20 times all the way through. Like literally you can name an episode. I can tell you what happened and everything, but I'm the same way. Like most nights when I go to sleep, whether I've had a good day or bad day, it doesn't matter. Like the office parks and rec, a couple different movies, you know, there's something on that I know well enough that I can get lost in it in the sense of I can let my brain follow the dialogue and complete the scenes instead of focusing on what happened that day. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's Marvel movies. I mean, I'm a big fan of those too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, so let's talk briefly about, um, you know, we've, we've really touched on it throughout this, but, you know, you've, you've mentioned therapy. You finally found a therapist that works for you. Um, and we've kind of been starting to go over self-care to some extent. I think what a lot of people don't understand, especially for those that, don't struggle with depression. You know, we talked about how hard it is to find that help. Like let's dive into that just a little bit more because I think the misconception is, well, there's so many, you know, and these organizations are great and I actually work with a couple of them, but you know, to write love on our arms, heart support, hope for the day. Like there's all these amazing mental health organizations. So they must, you know, there must be just all kinds of access out there. So much of it's either behind a paywall, therapy being expensive, or it's hard to connect with some of those people. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk a little bit about like the struggle that you saw when you were, you know, you you touched on it when you were trying to find a therapist. Like again, I think people just assume like, well, the first therapist you go to is going to be the same as the next therapist you go to. And that's just not true, right? Like your personalities have to match to some degree. Like they have to be able to, to put you in a mindset that helps versus just being a therapist. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Can you still hear me? You you froze. Yep. Yep. I got you. Are you there? Okay. My internet just said, yeah, it said my internet's unstable. It, I just got a warning. Uh, gotcha. um, yeah, it was, a, it was a big struggle to find someone um, because, you you know, so I first tried this app called BetterHelp. Um, okay. And I remember I signed up for the app and I requested a male therapist and I got females twice in a row. And I was like, guys, what is this? This is fucking weird. And right. then... Um, just kept not working. So I was like, you know what, this is too much. This is making me feel worse that it's so hard to get a therapist. Then I called my buddy, Sarah, the singer from Fanagram. And I was like, Sarah, like, I know you're super, cause you know, her sister had committed suicide. And I was like, Hey, Sarah, I know you're, you're really into your therapist. Can you hook me up with one? So she got her therapist to send me someone, but I started going to him and it was fine. But like, he would give me a lot of homework assignments um, and different stuff. And I just fucking ended up feeling worse. Cause like, I, I was like dreading right. therapy and it was like awful. And like, it was so, bad. 
So I was like stressed out because like, man, like, all right, I spent time looking. I can't find the right person. This is maybe this isn't for me. Like literally what the fuck is the point of like paying some dude to like talk on Zoom about shit? I already fucking know, you know, like I already know everything. I'm so smart, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so then I started doing that open path thing and I, you know, filled out all the questionnaires and did it. And um, they finally paired me with this guy, Ben, who I'm with now. And it's just been amazing because I finally found someone where it's like, he just helps me polish my own mirror, you know, and there's no agenda other than that. It's like we start each session by doing a little scale how I've been doing. And then at the end, we check in how the session go, you know, and it's really great because he's basically just like, how is this working? What do you want to talk about? Do you want me to give you some stuff to focus on? You know, and it's like, for me, it's been really good because I don't need things that add more pressure or stress or agenda. Right. So now I look forward to it every Thursday at 11. You know, I love it. I look forward to it, forward to my time with Ben so much. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's a important thing for anyone that's listening to this that has considered a therapist and things like that is that like if if people make you feel bad about going to therapy, fuck them. Get them out of your life because you shouldn't feel bad about trying to better yourself and make sure that you're still here. Yeah. Um, it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And, and I think that's, again, the misconception is like Hollywood fucked it up for everybody. Right. Like how often do you really go in and lay on a couch and talk to a therapist? Almost never. Like that's not really what therapy is a lot of the time. Can there be moments like that or like, sure, obviously digital version. Sure. But it's not literally, you know, <laughs> I keep thinking of you're my age. So you, you probably remember the little Dr. Katz um, cartoon that was on like, I think it was MTV. He, he was oh, yeah. this really like twitchy little therapist. And like, he always had somebody laying on the therapy couch and he just wrote his in his little notebook and like never really offered advice. And it's like, but that's not how therapy works. They're going to take notes. Sure. They're going to listen. They're going to offer advice. Like these people have spent 10 years. I think it is to become a a true licensed therapist. Like they've spent a lot of time figuring out different methods and like, just like your friend group, everybody's different. Every therapist is going to be different. Yeah. And that, I think that's the main thing is like, just don't, you'll know when you find the right person, you know? Um, yeah. cause I, I think that's the other thing is like, you know, like for me, it wasn't working, but I felt like I couldn't switch. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like if I fucking switch now, I've wasted all the effort and I've wasted all the time and money, but I think it's just being okay switching. And you know, it's, for me, it's like having that centerpiece of the week. Now my playing is so much better. My yeah. music, cause you know, I think that's the thing artists forget too, is, you know, practicing is so important. But at a certain point, it can only get you to a certain point. And if you're not really getting into the mental and getting into the health, then you're not really getting the full picture, you know? Right. And I I think something important for people to remember when it comes to switching therapist is like, you're not truly starting over. Like, even if you hated your therapist and you're switching to a new one, like you at least 
come into this new therapist with a groundwork of what didn't work for you. Exactly. And you, you can lay that out, you know, well, I had a therapist and they did this and I didn't really like that. I, it didn't help me or, you know, it made me feel worse. Well, now that therapist has something to go on and go, cool, that's not my method. Let's do this. Right. And and that's also like exactly what I communicated to um, my new therapist, you know, it's like, Hey, this didn't work. But also like, you know, like for instance, I'll be in therapy sometimes and he's like, what just happened? I was like, oh, I wasn't listening to you. I spaced out. And the thing is, you know, that's also being human. It's like fucking, yeah. I used to feel like so much pressure. I chant and I practice Buddhism and I'll be like spacing out and be like, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it deep enough. But I think that's the thing. Take out expectation of how we're supposed to do things. And just yeah. like, it's all good, man. You know, like shit does happen, you know, like you could yeah. be with, with your dream person and all of a sudden be thinking about the dishes, whatever, man, you know, like it just happens. Right. And you know, it, a it's the human mind is so incredibly fucking complex. Crazy. Like nobody's ever going to truly understand the human brain. But on top of that, like it's, it's one of those things like that. It doesn't mean you're not invested. It just means you're a person like, like you said, you could be with, with your spouse that you absolutely love more than anyone else on this planet. But just in a moment, you're going to be like, oh, we didn't fucking turn off the stove or, you know, whatever. You know, like, oh, I probably need to get gas tomorrow before I go to work. And it's not that you're not invested in that person. It's just that something else occupied your mind for a minute. And right. that's okay. Yeah, I think being more okay with it, things happening is going to make you more present anyway. Right. And, and, you know, it's also like, like we said way in the beginning, the more, you know, you okay with you, the more okay you are with yourself, it's like everything just kind of works easier anyway, you know? Um, yeah. And I think if you go into any life experience with little to no expectation, um, you're, you're going to be happier with the outcome. Mm -hmm. So like, e even with a therapist, you know, if you go in, with the mindset that therapy sucks, you know, yeah. I, I'm not going to, this isn't going to help. Uh, I don't even know why I'm here. Then you're right. It's not going to help. It's not, you're not going to be invested. But if you went in with no expectation that I don't know if it'll work or not, but I have to give it a shot. Okay. Well now you can get a real, you know, base work for yep. this did work. This is what I need to do. Fully, fully agree with that. And, you know, that's why, um, there, yeah, like I said, therapy is like the best kind of practicing that I'm doing right now, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, with, like you said, you're, you practice, uh, Buddhism and, and chanting and stuff like that. Like, even if you're, you know, Christian or Catholic or whatever, like that doesn't mean you can't spend time and meditate or, you know, take time away to do different things and practice mm -hmm. these internal self-care items because let's be honest, even though depression and, and anxiety make you lie to yourself, nobody knows yourself better than you. Yeah. And also just getting more in touch with, like we said at the start, what the reality of it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Nick. I think that's everything I've got. This has been an awesome conversation, man. I really appreciate it. Um, let's kind of uh, give people an idea, you know, because I still want to tie this into to your music and stuff. 
Sure. And, you know, I've been a fan ever since we talked the first time. Um, and I really want people to be able to find you. So obviously I'm going to link all your socials and things like that. Um, even though I'm kind of in the same boat as you, I don't post near as much as I should considering I have businesses. Yeah. 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 But you know, I'm there. I exist. <laughs> so, um, I'll get I'm reachable. So just hit me up, you know? Right. Right. So I'll, I'll make sure I link those, but tell people kind of, um, the standard outro, right? Like where they can find you, what to expect from you and kind of the new project and music that you've got coming out. Yeah. I mean, I'm Sloan song at Sloan songs everywhere. S L O N E songs everywhere. And, um, June 25th, I'm starting to release music on Parts and Labor Records. And um, I'm going to be doing a song about every six weeks. And it's really great. The first single's coming out is going to be called Comes Out Sideways, just about me and how I think I come off. And um, it's just really honest, open, open, great song. And I couldn't, couldn't be more proud of it. Um, and so, yeah, there'll be a lot of stuff, a lot of really fun, just music coming out uh with that label uh i think we're gonna do five or six songs just this year so it'd be great awesome um again i i really appreciate you taking the time man um i i believe believe a hundred percent in what you're you're doing and what you're saying um and again you know tying back to the very beginning like i think the thing that you have going for you and this isn't me trying to blow smoke up your ass or, or become best friends or anything like that. But I think the thing that you have going for you is that self-awareness and the, the new perspective of um, that. How do I want to word that? Mm. Uh, the, the authenticity, like mm. that. I just want to make art that I'm happy with myself and I would love for people to connect with it, but it's, it's for me and those that do connect with it, not to be a trend. Period. Yeah. That's yeah, what's absolutely now. So I hope, you know, if two people listen and, and, and gravity towards 100, I hope whoever does this can go check out and enjoy it. So, yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. I'll be in touch soon as far as, you know, when all this goes live and whatnot. Um, and yeah, you know, I'll definitely be following along on your journey and shouting about your music as often as I can. Awesome. Thanks so much, Josh. Have a good one. Thanks, man. You too. Bye. Bye. And that was my conversation with Nick. Um, again, I really want to thank him for his time and for being so open and honest with his conversation and description of his battles of depression lately. Um, you know, I say it all the time that Mental health conversations are typically uncomfortable and, you know, a lot of people don't like having them because of that, but it's through these uncomfortable conversations that we really get to learn more and get to understand the, the extent, the depth that mental health affects people. And, you know, I personally am one that for a very long time didn't talk about it at all but even then when I first started opening up about it the most I would say is just oh, I you know I'm feeling depressed and I wouldn't go into details and um, looking back it's one of those things that 
I kind of wish I would have because maybe I would have been able to get more help sooner and, you know, been able to assess and evaluate the struggles that I was having to just better, better live with them and things like that. And, you know, I think the beauty of what this podcast is attempting to do and, you know, hopefully we, we are able to do it, but the beauty of what we're attempting to do is that we're having these conversations and we're being open and honest and hopefully people are listening and whether you're struggling with your own battles or you know someone that is, or maybe you're just looking for an education around mental health, these conversations I think are going to be so real that it's going to make people or allow people to feel like they can open up more and that they'll feel more safe in doing that. Um, you know, Nick talking about his, his attempt in, and telling that story with that detail was, you know, just for me, it was a very, uh, kind of humbling experience. You know, I, I don't think people fully understand even when someone is going through therapy or in a healthy mindset I don't think people fully understand the the strength that it takes to be vulnerable enough to say this is how bad it was and this is where I was struggling and whether Nick intended it that way or not you know that's the way that it comes across and I I just really appreciate that um I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this episode. Be sure to jump on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, like, comment, and share the post about this episode. Be sure that you head over to Nick's social medias as well. I'll have them linked in the description. Um, give him a like, follow, let him know that you listen to the podcast things like that, um, you know, we said there towards the end, you know, the kind of the goal is that we just want people to know that it's okay to not feel normal or whatever that, that may be. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a, a long battle and hopefully the stigma is, starting to lift and hopefully we can be a part of that and allow you guys a safe place to learn about mental health, to hear about it and potentially provide new perspectives and, and things like that. That's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow this podcast because in just a couple weeks on July 19th, we will have episode two coming at you where I talk with Sophie Powers about loneliness and isolation in youth. And she was an amazing conversation. 
and I really feel like there's going to be a lot of great information in there, um, not only for the youth and, and people around her age or even a little older. Uh, I think parents need to listen to her episode very, very closely because as a 16-year-old living through a global pandemic and just the society we live in today with the toxicity of social media, she was able to have such a well-rounded, in-depth conversation with me about how that looks for someone of her age. Um, And yeah, I appreciate that too. So, like I said, make sure you like, subscribe, follow the podcast, uh, like the photo on Instagram, the post about it, uh, comment, you know, if you listen to it and things like that. If there are artists that you really want to hear from, please let me know because while this podcast is a much more condensed release schedule in that it's just going to be two episodes per month, I definitely want to bring artists on that A, can contribute to the conversation, and B, that you guys really want to hear from their perspective on mental health. And if you're in crisis or whatever, uh, just having a super bad day or need someone to talk to, please do not hesitate to reach out to the Suicide Prevention Hotline or Crisis Text Line, um, you know, or any of the amazing organizations that are based in the music industry um, or with ties to the music industry, such as Heart Support, To Write Love on Her Arms, and Hope for the Day. Those are three that, you know, are very, very involved in the music community. So if music is your safe space and you're looking for like-minded people, those are areas to turn to or resources to turn to. Um, And that's everything, guys. So I'm going to take you out the same way I take you out on the other podcast, and that is with the simple reminder to take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.